Hey, Ukraine Media family, Vladimir here, and I have a quick announcement before we start our interview with David Aryev. If you use the rectangle tool in After Effects and you want more size options, well, then we have a perfect script for you, designed and developed by my twin brother, Sergey Proknevsky. It's called SmartRec 2.0. It's an upgrade with more features, more options to choose from. So check it out at ukrainemedia.com slash smartrect, and smartrect spelled S-M-A-R-T-R-E. KT. And now without any further ado, here's my conversation with David Aryev. Enjoy. What's up, Ukraine Media family? Vladimir Pragnevsky here, and welcome to episode number 56 of the Ukraine Media podcast, where I serve our Ukraine Media family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. And today's guest is David Aryev. He's a crazy, talented 3D journalist. David was featured on School of Motion, BroGraph, Pro Video Podcast, and others. David, welcome to the show. Feel free to fill in the gaps from the intro and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Thanks for having me, man. Um, I don't know. I'm a pretty pretty basic guy, but uh, other than CG, my other big passion for many years was actually swing dancing. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, okay. totally. Have you ever done any, any kind of like, you know, swing no, or salsa dancing? Man, I'm sure my wife would love to. We actually we took, I took a I took salsa classes with my wife before. That's awesome. That yeah, I love awkward. salsa as well. It's it's super fun. Like any kind of partner social dancing is just great. And that's actually how I met my wife back in 2009. Really? Yeah, uh, it's like super addictive because it's a great way to like make friends and also to exercise. And it's a skill, you know, just like motion graphics or whatever, you know, skill that you get better at, which just means having, you know more and more creative dances with people. It's like a very creative skill. And when you get past the initial like beginner hump of just figuring out how to move yourself um, <laughs> and lead movements and, you know, stringing those movements together and all of that becomes second nature, you can actually start to have like a ton of fun and be creative. And the, the dance gets like very next level when it becomes a conversation and you start to, you know, you start something that the follow riffs off of or you know she throws something in there that you pick up on uh, and go with that for a bit and you know you get more connected to the music and you really start listening for certain elements that would go well with the movements that are like in the back of your mind you know in your collection and it's just really one of the most fun activities I know of and I really miss it because it's taken a back seat for several years while I've been you know obsessed with 3D instead. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm sure that kind of contributed to your uh, success in 3D world and just just music in general right? Yeah yeah definitely like I think the music video stuff just like you know getting more connected with with the music and understanding rhythm and structure um I, I got started, you know, doing music videos and, and touring visuals for Dave Matthews Band. And so I've got a pretty big history of like making music videos and, you know, creating visuals to music, I think is is my jam for sure. Rather than like, you know, your traditional like narrative uh, story structure, I just like making kind of trippy visuals to music is like really fun for me. Dude, and your work looks awesome, by the way. I was just looking oh, through thanks, it. <laughs> and it, it's it's just next level, man. I felt like I was in another world, really. <laughs> now let's <laughs> start from the very beginning. How, right. how did you get how did you get started in 3D and where did it start from? Because I hear that you were uh you're you started in neuroscience of all Yeah, things. totally. Yeah, I was I took a really weird path into being a creative. And, you know, I was on the science track in undergrad because that's what felt safe like that's all I really knew you know it's like when you're when you're a kid you got your math your science your social studies your English and you just like choose one of those and my parents you know are academics and they firmly believed that like that was the best way to make money in the world and they you know being an artist was totally like off of their radar you know so yeah I ended up getting a bachelor's degree in neuroscience and then another in philosophy and at some point, and like, I actually went to grad school and got a master's degree in neuroscience but the wow. whole way along yeah, I was totally like, but it was like pulling teeth. Like I was, I was in a PhD program and I like switched down to the masters because I was a total fraud. Like I wanted to go swing dancing. <laughs> I wanted to like read sci-fi novels and whatever else to get away from it. You know, I just, I hated it. And like, it was fun studying in undergrad, but when it came to actually like doing it, um, yeah, it just, it wasn't fun for me. I didn't like being, you know, a lab assistant or doing the lab work. And I, I avoided it like the plague. And I, I like totally almost failed like several times. <laughs> you know, I just barely scraped through and found my niche. But anyway, so to get back to like, you know, how I find, found my way into doing creative stuff, 
at some point in undergrad, I had to make like an extra credit project for a biology class. And I had iMovie on my laptop. I guess it was it was like an iBook at the time, you know, and I had one of those old tube shaped, you know, Apple webcams. Yeah, I remember those. It was, it was like an eyesight. <laughs> and so I made like this sciencey Ken Burns effect type video for the first half where I like narrated and used this terrible British accent. And then uh, the theme was like influenza. So I decided I decided to turn it into a zombie film, of course, and do like the zombie flu. And then uh, the second half, I like film myself freaking out about the flu. And then my roommate, Clay, comes in to lay down in bed and suddenly under the covers, you know, my other friend, Rolf, jumps out from from under the covers and like, you know, attacks. And I've got this like alarm sound going off. And it was like this super cheesy, like video, you know, and then we all get attacked and zombified. And it was just like <laughs> so stupid. But I love the software side of doing all the, the titles and like the extra sound design of like adding zombie noises and like layering things in, you know, like lion roars in there and just all this random crap that, you know, I could be creative with. And then when it came to like playing it back for the, the class, which was actually like a pretty big lecture hall of like 200 people, when the jump scare happened, I got a bunch of screams, which was like really addictive and exciting to me, like to actually cause a reaction in people, you know, like this entertainment thing. So that was like, you know, very different and and exciting. So then I went on to like later that year, I was um, wanting to show my buddy this new cool iMovie 06 thing, you know, and like I had this idea to mash the audio of one trailer together with the video of another. So I was like, you know, sitting there asking him, you know, what should the audio be for this trailer? And he goes 300 because that was like, you know, at the time that was like, <laughs> you know, his his obsession. And then, you know, he and he couldn't stop quoting the movie. And, um, and I'm like, <laughs> OK, well, what about uh, the video? And he goes, Perky man. <laughs> I'm like, this is the <laughs> stupidest. Like, I hate you right now. And this is the stupidest idea. And this is just going to be terrible. And so um. We start going long and editing, and at some point, things start syncing up, like, really weirdly well, and it gets, like, really epic, and it's, like, Pikachu's, like, you know, getting slapped to the to the beat, and it's just, like, you know, it's, uh, I, I, like, downloaded all these Pokemon films, um, and I, like, kind of get into it, and then he starts getting bored, and I'm, like, okay, you know what? Just go away now, <laughs> and, like... <laughs> I pull an all-nighter and jam through this thing. And, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but, like, Pokemon or any anime is, like, perfect for for syncing because you barely have to, like, sync up the lips, you know, because the animation is so mm, simple. It's I just kind of, like, open, close, open, close, you know. But anyway, to like, it, this just, like, all freakishly fit together so well and turned into this, like, really epic feeling video that to this day I can still watch and, like, it makes me laugh and it's, like, still epic and entertaining. And... Yeah, I released it online and it blew up really fast and got like 200,000 views in the first day, which at the time was like even more since this was like the dawn of YouTube. But then halfway through day two, the video got pulled due to copyright infringement. Uh, So, bummer, man. Thanks, Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And then like, you know, the rest of my college years, I just kept doing this thing. I like made videos for fun with my friends. We made like a whole series with my buddy Vernon parodying Zelda called The Legend of Vernon, just recreating aspects of the game in the most janky ways. Like he had a a Swiffer sword and a green pillowcase for, for a hat and um, you know, he was great at being stone faced and like running around like a video game character and just doing those idle actions to, to seem totally legit. And luckily we had all these locations that vaguely fit the game because I went to William and Mary for undergrad and Colonial Williamsburg is right there. So uh, we oh. found like the windmill from the game. We, we found the hedge mazes. <laughs> and so it was like <laughs> super fun and hilarious. And it was just a way for us to entertain ourselves. But yeah, so editing, I think, was my first big creative passion, you know. But then I had to, like, go back to the real world, go back to grad school in Charlotte. And I went to Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, UVA. And yeah, I was trying to get a PhD in neuroscience because I was convinced it was the only safe career path. And, you know, I even I even found, like, a niche there where um, I found, like, a really cool professor to, to stay with for, I forget what, it's, like, been so long, I forget what you even call it. But, you know, you try out different labs and then you go and find and stick with the one that you connected with the best so this guy had me like doing actual 3d work he had me digitizing like fruit fly neurons and putting them all together in registration with each other to make 
it was like called a partial hemi segment of the ventral nerve cord of the fruit fly and it's like <laughs> but it was still cool. like it was it was cool but it was like super boring to me like you know there was it was like technical work and i was good at it i guess like he thought i was good at it but it, you know it wasn't that interesting to me and i knew that like to get a phd in something you know you had to like be super passionate about it because my parents are academics my dad got his, you know his phd in philosophy and it's like for him that was fun like that work is fun. And so I wanted to find something like that for myself. And I already had something like that. It was just, you know, I had to like convince myself that filmmaking, you know, that I could take it seriously and that it could be a career that would really make money for me, you know? And so once I convinced myself of that, I like started poking my head around in Charlottesville, Virginia's film scene, which was, you know, surprisingly large for a small town. And uh, I began like interning with a documentarian in town, which was a great start. And I was already addicted to watching tutorials. I had a lot of, you know, Final Cut Pro and Apple Motion knowledge. So I was useful, to, you know, to him. And he taught me a bunch of camera fundamentals. And he was like really interested in making quality content. So that was a cool partnership at first. And then um, after a few, a few months after that, I found like the one company in town that was doing uh, motion graphics. And that happened to be centered around Dave Matthews Band since Charlottesville is where Dave Matthews got his start. So I quickly got sucked into that world of, you know, concert visuals and stayed there for like three and a half years. And it wow. was like an awesome place to get my start because doing the concert visuals for Dave Matthews Band was always a really open brief. So we kind of had this like mad science thing going on where, you know, we'd like one day we'd have like a tank of water and we'd be dropping sand in it and, you know, shooting on the red and super slow-mo and comping that I would comp that into some 3D clouds and like have these like bursts of black sand coming up out of the clouds and like just whatever stuff was in our head, we would try all of these, you know, creative solutions. And like about a year in, I realized that I was having this issue communicating to the main DP and art director there. And I'd tell him to like, you know, go out and shoot something in a specific way, but I had no language to do it in. I didn't know what the different lenses would do or how, you know, the f-stop or shutter speed would affect things. So at some point I was like, you know what, I need to buy a camera to like learn this stuff so I can talk to this guy. And so I like just bought a GoPro at the time, you know, a Hero 2. But then like, as it was on the way from Amazon, I was like, what the hell would this even teach me? It's like a fixed lens and automatic right. camera. So, you know, yeah. before it even arrived, I was like, screw it. And I just like dropped all of my savings on a 7D and several lenses, you know. So the, Go the GoPro was like my gateway drug, you know, and, and self permission to spend a ton of money on gear. <laughs> but, um, you know, once that once that gate was open, I went batshit crazy, like over the course of you know, those years I bought like seven lenses, tripods, LED panels with Anton Bauer batteries, like a car wow. rig, a slider, a, even a steady cam. <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah. So I just kind of went crazy with that. And so, but that definitely like honed my, my eye and like, you know, that's just the most useful thing for doing motion graphics or visual effects, you know? Uh, and it also like got me out on shoots with, with my art director friend. And then I was actually like part of the whole process, you know, from start to finish. I knew how to shoot footage with VFX in mind. I knew how to edit it together. I knew how to color grade, then do compositing and motion graphics stuff on top of that. And I started getting to like camera tracking and integrating 3D. So that was really, you know, my foundation. And then also at the office, I'd sit around and jam through every GSG tutorial known to man, you know, when we had slow <laughs> weeks. And I'd that that was cool but like it was also this paranoid thing where i was constantly watching over my my shoulder because the pressure at the office was always to be doing something and not watching tutorials like they didn't understand at the time like like the reason i'm good at my job is because i watch a lot of tutorials and because i'm like always immersing myself and invested in this and because it's fun for me you know but they didn't have the long game in mind they were just like you know trying to they were hungry and just trying to get fed and constantly you know trying to get jobs and like even if there was nothing to do, they were like, no, you can be doing work. And I'm like, I am doing work. I'm training myself, you know, so that kind of sucked. There was kind of this split between the creatives and, um, you know, the management people there. And it was like a very small company, like eight or 10 people. And like it was overly balanced towards management. And then they started firing the my creative friends. And I was like, at some point, I was just like, screw it, you know. Uh, and another thing is like we didn't they didn't know how to sell creative work. It was always an afterthought. Like we'd get a big music video festival like 
faster horses or something. We did a lot of country music <laughs> festivals, like the content for the screens and stuff. But it was it was an afterthought because, you know, like we got we won the graphics package, but it was never because of the graphics work, our, you know, ourselves. It was just a bonus. Like when we went and made some really kick ass, you know, stuff, I'd like make some CG horses like running down a bridge, breathing fire or something for their intro. Right. And they were like, yeah, that's great. This is so awesome. But like they didn't pay more because it was awesome. It was just, you know, like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a big part of why they stopped doing creative work and just gradually switched to technical and being just a video equipment rental house, you know? So I kind of was there at the right time, but then also left at the, at the right time and went freelance. Um, and that was, you know, that was super scary for sure. But, um, I, but I, at that point I developed enough skills in the job. Like I wouldn't want to start out freelance and I don't recommend people just starting out from ground zero as freelancers, but like I developed enough skills that, I was able to take on, you know, the freelance stuff. And uh, I had done a few freelance jobs, you know, moonlighting. And so I also had kind of an idea of, of what it was like to do those jobs. And there was a guy in Richmond who was interested in, in hiring me who had bigger age, ad agency type jobs. And, you know, his attitude was like, however much it costs. So like for me, when I was like, oh, okay, uh, $85 an hour. And he was like, sure, that's fine. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and like that <laughs> wow. first year, I like doubled, you know, more than doubled my, my salary and got to work on not necessarily as creative jobs, but way better paying jobs. Like I did a Virginia lottery job that paid like, I don't know, 20,000 in like three weeks or something like that, you know, where I created like 50 videos for them in three weeks by hiring two of my friends to do like, you know, help out on the motion graphics and the editing and, you know, just jam through it and made a crap ton of money. And that's still more money than I even make, you know, today a lot of the time. So yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like I'll, I'll never go back to working on full time for a company unless it's like, either elastic or man versus machine, maybe, you know, right. <laughs> it's just like, to me, it's such a better life, you know, it's not worth it. Yeah. I just like having that extra control over, you know, the hours I'm working and what I'm saying yes to and, and the work that I'm doing, you know, and you don't have to worry about other people looking over your shoulder. Like you were talking about, you know, you can, exactly. I bet you don't worry about that anymore. Right. You can no, just no, exactly. watch tutorials all day long if you really want yeah, to. I mean, that's like, that's, I mean, ideally, like, that's what I want to do more of is save more money so I can like book myself for several weeks on end and like go off and do a work retreat, you know, and learn some modeling or fusion 360, whatever, you know, substance painter retreat, whatever it is, you know? No, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. But your journey is crazy. Now, how did you ended up in San Diego out of all places? <laughs> um, I mean, that's, that's cause of my wife. Like, so we have a crazy story where I met her in Charlottesville in 2009 and I felt crazy in love with her and I moved in with her, but for, for, you know, circumstances at the time it didn't work out cause she was still, she was married, but separated and her husband lived across the country and he got depressed and, and whatnot. Um, and so like we had a great year together, but then she made a really tough call for her kid at the time, like to have him move back across the country. And also they were foreclosing on their house cause it was during the, the housing crisis and they just didn't have the means to, she didn't have the means to live on her own and neither did he. So they were kind of like, you know, it was just a crappy situation all around. And so we broke up at the time and I was kind of tortured about it for like a year or two and we were kind of off and on, but it was just awkward. And then I tried to move on and like rebounded with a bunch of people and then got into this more serious relationship with someone for like six years. And it turned out wow. to be the worst relationship I've ever had. It was horrible. Uh, so we don't need to talk much about that. But <laughs> as soon as it was over, uh, I contacted Chelsea and she had moved back to San Diego, her her hometown. And I was I just contacted her thinking, OK, well, I want to, you know, maybe see where she's at, like just maybe be friends with her again. I wasn't you know, I didn't have much expectations, but she was like, holy crap, I missed you this whole time. I love you. And I was like, I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah That's so I cool. like she helped me uh she helped me like sell my house she came and like fixed up my house while I was working on a job for for two weeks and sold it and then we drove across the country together and that was that and I've been living here ever since <laughs> and you just recently got married right we got married yeah yeah just uh I guess it's been just over a month ago and that was amazing wow, too congratulations had, thanks man yeah it was it was great 
we uh we rented out a big like mansion right across from the beach and uh we had she loves mermaids so she we had a mermaid (laughs) playing harp as she walked down the aisle and it was just like you know just a really sweet and you know cute wedding and not too Mm. big like 50 people and yeah it was just so much fun i danced my ass off and you know we read (laughs) vows to each other and it was just great (laughs) dude i had like 350 people at my wedding oh my god that's insane i don't even know and that sounds so expensive like this was expensive but it was expensive (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah like i think ours was like i mean she planned the whole thing too which is amazing that like saved probably like five to eight thousand dollars at least you know uh just for not having to have a wedding planner so yeah it was like probably 20 to thirty thousand dollar wedding but we for what we pulled wow. together for that was amazing mm, wow yeah. that's pretty cool now i want to circle yeah. back to something you said earlier because you were you were completely in a different major you said your parents are uh i'm just curious like from your parents point of view yeah. are they are they happy for you that the fact that you're emote or into 3d and not pursuing your you're not a doctor today. Like, what were they <laughs> yeah, like? At what point did they? What are they cool with that? They're super happy now. Like, I mean, my mom was always a bit more encouraging. She was like, kind of like, well, do you really want to go to, you know, neuroscience grad school, or or do you want to try out film film school? You know, my dad was a bit more tunnel vision about it. You know, but like, as soon as I started making money, like they started, I think. And, the, and also the quality of the things I was putting out, you know, they got really into it. And now my dad, like both of them are like my biggest fans. They love to brag about me, show my work. You know, I, I think even like the most recent music video, full CG music video I put out with the ice caves made my dad somewhat emotional for because it's got a story. But, he, you know, and he really liked the song. But like he they're definitely proud of me. And, and it's good. Like it's good to like shake up your parents a little bit and kind of Mm. change their expectations. You know, that's like what your job is. I think, you know, (laughs) you don't want to be a carbon copy. Exactly. exactly. So (laughs) there was some tension there, you know, they were just worried that it wouldn't be feasible, you know, but yeah, at this point, like it's pretty clear that you can make a living doing this or I can make a living doing this, you know, to them and they're super into the work I'm making. So yeah. And it's also at some point, it's not about them either. It's about you. And what right. you, have, <laughs> there you, go. you know, it's like, it's not all about like, you know, uh, yeah. Im- impressing or whatever, you know, your parents. Yeah. Well, you, you did your time, you know, yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly how I feel. I'm like, guys, I humored you enough. Like I tried real hard and <laughs> at some point on. it was clear that I was going to fail and that this was like a train that was, you know, headed over a cliff or something like that. And mm-hmm. I, I exited gracefully, you know, and got the master's <laughs> right. degree. And now it's a piece of paper that hangs on my wall and, you know, and it does nothing. A very but expensive one. <laughs> very expensive. Yeah, exactly. Well, luckily, so that was actually a trick is that I, I was in the PhD program, so they paid me a $20,000 a year stipend. So it's as if wow. I got paid to get a master's degree. <laughs> so yeah, Jeez. I kind of pulled one over on them. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah. What a journey. Yeah. And you know, Lloyd Alvarez from uh, ascripts.com, yeah, he, yeah. he has a similar journey as you. I think it was pre-med major before, I think after oh, two wow. years. That sounds terrible. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> and same thing is, his you know, he's from Mexico and his dad was not happy about it right, until right, he right. saw his like first uh big commercial that was international or something like that. And that's when he was, when he started bragging about his son to his, uh, to his peers, that's when he was cool about it. You know, (laughs) well, let's transition to a dark moment in your life, man. I want you to tell us the story of your worst moment in your creative journey. Take it away, man. All right. (laughs) Well, I've got a couple, like the easy, like the simple one is this was an early, like kind of more of a mistake on my part, like not having, decent client boundaries. I think it always comes down to not having very good boundaries, you know, when you're when you're doing freelance, but this was one of these moonlighting jobs and it was like the first full 3D spot I did. And the jobs on my site, you can check it out. It's called New York City Pancreatic Cancer Walk 2013. Anyway, this client was terrible. I mean, it's one of these situations where it's like the client has a client has a client, you know, and it was already like kind of a takeover project where he had like failed with this one animator and then he brought me on so that the deadline was extra tight and 
yeah, again, it was on top of my full-time job. So I think I like worked over 120 hours in a week and pulled like several all-nighters. And then when I like was complaining to this dude, he was like, come on, man. I thought you knew it was going to be a tight deadline, going to be a lot of all-nighters. Like he just expected me to be pulling complete all-nighters and be getting super sleep deprived. And at the time, I just had no idea how to push back or assert myself. And I just went insane from sleep deprivation to the point where I like sent him this ragey email about how my hourly rate had (laughs) dropped down to a really small number because of how many extra hours I was working. And like, but I did like the calculation completely wrong because I mean, it was a flat rate thing, right? It was a flat rate job. And it was like probably like 3,500 for the whole stupid job. And, um, you know, it's a 30 second full CG animated spot. And I did like the calculation totally wrong, though, because I was so sleep deprived. And then after that, sent him another ragey email about how my miscalculation proved that I was totally sleep deprived. Thanks to him. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so I'm like, See, amazing. my bad math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got through that somehow. That's just like I think that's probably part of the hard knocks that most people get when they're first starting out you know there are always like some unfortunate jobs where you're overworking and whatnot but even this year well i guess last year now but you know more recently the the full cg ice caves music video i did even though it came out really great that was kind of a nightmare project because of the clients right so because i've had such great experiences with people who approached me in the past with full cg music videos i get excited and jump at the occasion to do another one and the budget on this one was pretty small, all things considered. It was just 20000 And that was going to be for like, I don't know, a month to maybe a little bit more. And at the time, I didn't even know how long the song was before I agreed, which was dumb. Uh, <laughs> turns out it was a full four minute long song. And then, um, mm. you know, as I was talking to them, there were some pretty big red flags that I totally ignored, like the producers calling me and saying that I was in competition with this other team, but that they really liked me and wanted to go with me, but they needed to convince the artist Janelle to go with me instead. And then once we're all on a group call, don't say anything to, uh, to Janelle about this though. You know, it's like weird shady tactics. Oh, and like, well, if she can't see based on my work that she wants to go with me, then why do I need to convince her? And like, you know, and that just puts me on this defensive mode, you know? And it's like, the work should just speak for itself. And then, you know, if there's another team that that's great, then go with them. You know, it's like, why even tell me that? Like if their work is better then awesome, you found your, you know, your perfect artists and just go with them and don't even, you know, don't even pull this kind of stuff. So that was weird. And the whole time Chelsea was like bad vibes, babe, you know, and I was just too focused on how cool the end product could be. And like all the stuff I get to learn doing the project. Cause these are really the times when I make, big jumps, you know, like my first experience like that was that space music video I did that I spent four months on. And luckily that was a great client, you know, and my skills improved vastly at like lighting and camera movement and all the things that I really like. And I really kind of came into my own in that project. And you can make leaps and bounds if you're outside of your comfort zone doing a project like that, that feels like a passion project that you have pretty much full creative control over, like I did in that case, but in this case, not quite as much. So Like the first thing I did was design an environment I thought they'd like, you know, in the creative brief, which they described as vast and beautiful, yet feeling man-made. So that part was odd, but uh, I created a huge, you know, ice cave flooded with light and volumetrics that I loved. And then they were like, no, well, they were like, that's pretty good, but let's go more man-made. So I added in like these repetitive structures, which they were asking for. And they were like, okay, but now, you know, I think it's too big. Maybe I really meant dark and intimate. (laughs) which is like a total 180 reversal, you know? And so I like, you know, I created some choices for Janelle with a small dark ice cave. And I had some that were, you know, simple and dark with like a roughness map that I didn't really like that much. And others that looked way more sophisticated with a light blue subsurface scattering that looked a lot more close to real reference of what ice caves look like, you know? And of course she chose the really crappy looking ones, you know? (laughs) So at this point, you know, it had been like a week and I was feeling or even more and I was feeling like pretty discouraged um, because if I already don't like the look of the environment and that's going to be in every shot, it's just not going to be fun or something I want to put out into the world. You know, it's like the reason I'm doing this is to make something really cool. You know, I get to do this like maybe once or twice a year, you know, and then I like at that point, I figured that I could put in a lot of colorful lights, kind of like that cyan, cyan and magenta palette and add in some of that sur- subsurface look back but subtle 
and that way make it look a lot more interesting and maybe more like stage lighting that would appeal to her since she's an artist and thankfully that worked um but yeah i don't love the i don't love the process of jumping through hoops to try and entice the client to choose something that doesn't suck and then after that it was her hair so they'd scanned her hair with uh up in a bun and she didn't like that look at all. So I ended up buying more and more digital hair models on Turbo Squid and trying them on for her, you know, but she didn't like any of them until I got through like 16 of them. And then she picks the one that looks like a damn helmet and sticks out all <laughs> crazy with with like it has barely any polygons and it's like super janky. So like at that point, it's like it feels like she's just sabotaging her own video intentionally. And I'm like getting snarky and sending over renders from different angles, one with like the helmet titled bad and another with like nice hair titled good, you know, it's just like totally losing it. And then, you know, in that point, she she like realizes how bad it is and then chooses like the second worst one. And then I'm like, Ugh, you know, so <laughs> we move funny. on from there. You know, and then this is the kicker. Then she starts directing my lighting at one point and sends me an email that says, I just want to look like me on a good day on Instagram. And then after that, she puts like a sunglasses, cool face emoji followed by, can you just use a, a front lighting beauty dish, please? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> at this point, I'm like, I'm so angry and I'm sending over like real life pictures of people standing next to their ice figure likenesses of themselves, <laughs> you know, and seeing like being like, see, you know, when you're made out of ice, the lighting changes because the material is different. You know, it's like. Yeah, so just total total communication breakdown. You know, she didn't, obviously didn't understand the process at all. And I was probably, I might not have been the best at describing it fully. And, you know, I don't have all those tactics that big studios do that, that work with uneducated clients. But also, like, I feel like when you're a bigger studio and you're working with, like, Nike, they, they do understand to some degree the process. Or I don't know, maybe that's not true. I don't know. I haven't done that. But um, anyway, after like two weeks of this, it was clear that I was not going to hit the deadline and they were running this thing into the ground. So I had to send this epic email that said, you know, if you don't stop making changes right now and for the rest of the video, you're not going to have a complete music video and I'm going to walk. <laughs> so it was like this long ass email and I was like totally ready to walk on this job. It's like, you know what, whatever. I don't care if I get any money. Like I can't continue doing this because it's stressing me out so bad. But thankfully that worked. And I got to jam out on the video, but some aspects ended up being so difficult, like the ice melting, that I had to hire my friend Grant Inouye to do that in Houdini and my other buddy Chris Rutledge to handle some of the dry ice sims. And they were great, but that meant that, you know, there was less budget for me. So that's another problem entirely, you know, like this thing's going on longer than I thought and costing more and, and all that. And the whole time I was kind of like depressed and stressed out because it felt like a failed project because they wasted those weeks and the deadline wasn't changing. It felt like I was just totally going to fail and there was no way I was going to complete three minutes of animation. I was like thinking I would be lucky to complete a minute or a minute and a half, you know, even without their changes. And it's amazing how big of an impact like a bad project can have on your life and your, your relationship. You know, I was oh, like yeah. grumpy all the time and Chelsea <laughs> was constantly pissed off on my behalf and having to help me calm down when I was about to implode, you know, <laughs> and um, yeah, even though, you know, I gained control over the project, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have enough time. And at the end, I had to like cut it down. I had to be like, you know what, we, we can't do a four minute music video. It's going to be a three minute music video. And thankfully, the d original deadline wasn't even real. And I, and they pushed it out to two months. So I got to finish. But like, it would have been like a minute and a half oh, music wow. video. It would have been a totally like, you know, failed project and that's that's the worst to feel like you're working on something that's just bound to fail not because of what you're doing but because the clients are intentionally running it in you know to the ground and so yeah i mean anytime i gave these clients an inch they'd take a mile and they kept using these like tactics on me you know for instance like there was one point where janelle told me she simply couldn't approve of the shot where the arm breaks on the word break because it's too on the nose you know and i'm like that's my job. It's like, I'm trying to match the visuals to your music, you know? And like, so she was like, just take a duplicate or just take a shot from somewhere else in the video and reuse it. Let's just duplicate a shot. You know, she's like, you won't have to render anything. Cause she, she gotten savvy to the, there were, there were render times at this point. Right. She's like, you won't have to render anything. Just take a shot and duplicate it. And it's like, that's just totally subverting the quality of the work entirely, you know? And so then I was stressing hard about that change, even though I'd said no more changes, there's somehow 
like she's just trying to strong arm me into this one change. And then all of a sudden the producers in quotes <laughs> call because they weren't producers. They weren't like managing her or the money. They were just her mouthpieces, you know, and they called and said, and, you know, said that they'd convinced her to let it go on this one. But hey, could I make them an album cover? And at that point, I was like so relieved that I didn't have to make this change. I was like, sure thing. And just dropped everything <laughs> to spend the rest of the day on that. And then I like sent it over and she was like, actually, I was thinking, you know, more like this angle. <laughs> it's like, so then you're going back down the rabbit hole and you're like pulled into their, into never their games, ends. you know, so never ends. So yeah, I'd say that's probably, even though I really love the end product, that's probably the worst client experience I've had. And then like, the funniest thing was like once the job was over, one of the producers hit me up like the next day and was like, hey, and he sent me like this photo of him and his bro on Instagram with like star bubbles in it. And he's like, hey, could you add some CG star bubbles to this and enhance it real quick for like a 100 bucks? <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, dude, uh, I don't you know, it's like I don't work for less than a day's work and that would be you know eight hundred dollars and he's like oh okay uh can you recommend somebody that would add star bubbles and i was just like sorry dude none of my friends do either <laughs> like, like it's like i'm never gonna work with any of you people ever again you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. man what an experience man i felt like i lived through it with you <laughs> now i'm all stressed that's, out that's and funny. anxious no, man. sorry i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. no let's let's have that's you had have you had stuff like that like how about oh, you man. like all well i had stuff i remember early on when i was starting out it was so stressed out to where i worked on something all week long and then they kept changing things and i was just so anxious and stressed out i literally like told them i'm going to the car and i uh, never came back <laughs> I just <laughs> nice. took off. yeah sometimes you just have to be like you know what my mental and, and emotional or my physical health all, you know it's just worth more than whatever these people want Dude, right it's now. crazy just, yeah how do you deal with stress? Like, I know you did, you, you said you do dance. Not is well. Is there anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Any, 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 any tips, advice on how to deal with stress? Anything that worked mm. for you in the past? Um, I like, I think I just like, the funny thing is during this music video project, I, I played through all of God of War and, and completed <laughs> that whole game. That was like my <laughs> way to like rage, you know, I just played a lot of video games and that was not probably the best way to de-stress. I probably should have taken a walk on the beach, you know, went and, and hung out with Chelsea more, but like for whatever reason, I just turned to video games because it's a way to shut off my brain, you know, but I don't know, like I'm not that great at, at dealing with <laughs> stress. And like, I think at the beginning of almost every project before I know the client's expectations, I get really stressed out. And then when I realize that I've met or exceeded their expectations and that I can do the job, then I'm able to relax. But there's always that like, you know, those butterflies in oh, my stomach, like at the start of a job. I mean, it depends. Like, okay, if it's like a roto job that I know I can do in my sleep or like a color job or a client that I've already worked with, then I'm fine. But when it's some new company that I'm working for or, you know, or working with someone that I think is an awesome artist and I'm maybe slightly intimidated by them or, or whatever, you know, then I get kind of stressed out. Like recently I actually got to work at video copilot co for three days. Um, nice. Working on a job with Andrew. Yeah. And that was awesome, but really stressful. Cause like I came in and, you know, I was like supposed to be the C40 artist that knows everything and was going to save the job to some extent. Cause they had some, a couple of really big issues that were super weird and he didn't, he had people that, you know, know C4D on his team, but that's not their main job, you know, and I'm coming in as the C4D expert. So that was, you know, you know, he was like, can you do this? And I'm like, I think so. It's like, <laughs> I will try, you know, but then it's like, you know, this guy that taught me everything about After Effects was like the, my first, like everybody's first tutorial hero, you right. know, I didn't want to let him down. So like, yeah, that was really, really stressful. And I dealt with it, but there were times when I felt like I was just going to pass out. You know, <laughs> like I don't know. What was it like working with him? It was awesome. Like he, he's, I mean, I love his, his taste. He just knows exactly what he wants. You know, he talks like a lot of my DP friends. It was really funny. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm talking to Eric right now. I've got this friend, Eric, that I worked with for years. That's just like makes all these motions, you know, and, and these, you know, with his, you know, he does, you know, the thing where he 
make uh, kind of a camera with your with your fingers and you do that and you like show where the shot's going and he's like you know and he he uses the same language he's like yeah we don't want to blow the gag here but I'm really looking for this move that goes like this and I like totally understood him like I was able to talk to him pretty easily and give him exactly what he wanted so he was a really great director to work with but like it was intimidating because he's like intense and he's like you know worked with jj abrams and he i don't know he's awesome but he's also a very intense dude <laughs> interesting you know was it your yeah. first time working with him yeah it was it totally was yeah that's pretty sweet yeah man. i'm trying to get him on the podcast he agreed but then he's supposed to connect me with the team and then nothing ever happened so yeah I'm he's sure freaking busy again. i mean like he i'm sure he wants to like i actually just went to uh it's cool because he that was i guess one ben- benefit of moving to san diego is now i'm close to LA and close to uh, mm-hmm. him. He's only an hour away. He's in Lake Elsinore, really close to where Ash Thorpe lives actually. So yeah, I went up for his holiday party recently and that was, that was really fun. And because that wasn't a work environment, we got to just chill and relax and, you know, shoot the shit. And that's like, that was awesome. But yeah, he, he runs that's a tight easy. ship, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. That's what I hear. That's why. So that's why I don't hold it against him. I know the guy's busy, but one day, one day I'll have him one on day, podcast. dude. Yeah, totally. One day. I have the patience. Now let's transition yeah. to your uh, best project that you worked on. All right. Well, I've got a couple, I guess. I mean, like going up to work with Dead Mouse was probably like one of the most fun times ever. So yeah, I don't know where to start with this. Like the Brograph dudes realized that Dead Mouse was streaming and using Octane. You know, he uses all the same software, C4D and Octane. And he was like streaming his process every night, making his own concert visuals, you know, and there's like no other artist at his level doing that. And turns out he was like watching some Brograph tutorials. So they hit him up on Twitter and they were like, hey, dude, you know, and they were like, you want to be on our podcast? He's like, sure. You know, and so he got on their podcast and that was awesome. And he's like, hey, do you guys do concert visuals? And they're like, of course we do, you know. (laughs) And um, so he like set up this whole thing, like this basically a 48 hour jam where he flew them up and like they're two of my best friends so they had me come too and the three of us just banged out content for a couple days with him and that was extremely fun and then he invited us back several months later uh for like a whole week and that was like then we really got to dig in and it's great because not only because you're working like in his crazy souped up basement with uh you know he's got like this render farm of like I don't know, 30 some GPUs. I I forget how many, you know, and they're like really high end, like P6000s or something. I don't know. And then he's got like an octagon table of PCs, you know, and he's just, you know, we were all just there like making stuff together and riffing off of each other. And I think the reason it was so much fun is because I don't get to work with my friends in person that much, you know, I'll work on a job with them collaboratively online, but working in person means that like, I, I ended up creating like this crazy Mario Kart inspired thing. I don't even know what to call it. I made a bunch of visuals, but this was kind of like the the big project that I ran with. But like I wouldn't have been able to make that at all if Dave hadn't been sitting right there. And I was like, hey, how do you like make a road like twist, you know, or how, you know, and he had all these ideas for tying everything together uh, with kind of procedurally. So if you changed one spline, it would change the whole road and you wouldn't have to go and change every little piece. So you know, it was just great working with my friends in the same environment and also on an open brief. Like that's what's that's what's really cool to me is like having a blank slate and just getting to do whatever the hell you want, you know? So yeah, no, my other favorite one, uh, Ivan Torrent, this this guy, I did this awesome collab with with him uh for his album release called Immortalis. But the reason he's like my my favorite client is he provided inspiration first off. He like had all of this photo bashed art and tons of video reference. So he like inspired me and also like gave me an idea of really clear what the look should be like super clear direction. And then he listened to me whenever I told him an idea would cause us to miss the deadline. If it was like something too ambitious, I'd be like, I don't know, man. Like, I think this is like at first he wanted to go have this full loop where we like start in space and then we breach through the whales breach through the the ocean and then up through the clouds and then it keeps going and going and then all the way back and ends on space and i'm like we have to scale this back you know it's really cool starting from a point where we thought anything was possible and just like creating all these ideas and like letting our imaginations go crazy but then kind of 
pulling it back to its essential components. And I'm like, okay, well, this is what's like in that same vein, but actually possible in our three-week deadline, right? And the fact that we had that three-week deadline actually proved very useful because I could use that to say, okay, this thing that you want, I think it's going to push us past our deadline, you know? So he was totally open to that. And then he was also extremely excited and always like keeping my energy up with emails to me about how awesome he thought it was. And like, I would send him like the first half and he was like, man, I showed it to my family and we all cried. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know? (laughs) So it's like super cool, like how much he loved it. And then also when something wasn't up to par, he'd let me know and suggest like a different camera move, for instance, like with the first shot with the whales flying towards the city and above the clouds, he felt like the camera was too attached to them at first. And it didn't feel like you could really sense their perspective. And then he suggested that I change the shot to one where we kind of find them. We like come down through the clouds and find the whales. And I was like, okay, I'll try that. And it worked so much better. So like he was adding to the mix he like his creativity and mine were combining to create to make something like even better than if it were just me so that's like for me that's like my um you know the kind of client you only get once in a really long time you know that's like yeah it was super lucky right (laughs) exactly yeah the only thing about that project that i wish would have been better was the budget but it was so worth it in terms of like just the end product and and self-promotion and making something that I was really proud of. I think I saw it. It's on your front page, right? On your website? Yeah, totally. No, that was, it was beautiful. I remember watching Thanks, it. Just man. Like, man, it's like, an, <laughs> you're like in another world, man. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> Thanks dude. Now, how do you stay connected to, to the community? Is it, do you go to events? Do you stay with oh, people? Yeah. On t- how, I'm just curious. How, do, how does one stay in touch with everybody like you do? I mean, there's so many ways nowadays, like there's, you know, there are like Slack groups, there's Discord channels, there's, you know, the sub C- C4D subreddit, there's, um, you know, and I'm, there's even more also for the 2D world, there's School of Motion, you know, there are all these communities, Facebook groups, you know. So yeah, I hit up a lot of those, but I'm on a lot of podcasts. And I don't know, I think I just entrenched myself in the community by going to a lot of events, like I got lucky at one point, and I um, Maxon asked me to talk in 2016. I think it was for the C40 Roadshow. I went up to DC. I was living in Charlottesville and I drove up to meet EJ. And Matthias was there and he's the guy that kind of manages all of the C40 talks every year. And I showed him my reel and what I do. And he was like, oh man, this is great. Like, do you want to come talk for us? And like, honestly, my gut reaction was no. Like, I hate talking in front of people. It gives me such anxiety. I get so nervous in front of like big <laughs> groups of people talking. But I, did it to push myself out outside of my comfort zone and knew that it could be really beneficial to my career. And it totally paid off. I've done several of those talks each time. It's not my super favorite thing. Just, you know, I prefer like sitting at home, like making a tutorial where I can cut it together and like do a bunch of takes until it's like perfect. Cause I kind of have a bit of that perfectionist thing, not like to the point where it's detrimental, but I just like to release quality things. So that does get me pretty stressed out when I'm talking in front of people and I want to deliver the information clearly. And I sometimes don't feel like I can do it. But yeah, it's it's important, I think, to get outside your comfort zone and do stuff like that. And also just like, I think like, taking opportunities, like, for the longest time in Charlottesville, I did like 48 hour film contests, like I did like probably eight or 10 of them. And like oh, wow. those on paper don't, aren't that beneficial to you, you know, you're, it's not a real job. You're just like, sleep depriving yourself, but you're connecting with other filmmakers in the community. And each time I did a job like that or passion project or whatever, I would meet somebody on set that would be like, you know, I would show my stuff to, and they'd be like, Oh dude, I I have this film that needs VFX or I know this person, you know? And so those, that just leads to more and more jobs. And yeah, it's just all of it's putting yourself out there, all of it's networking and making friends, you know, making friends in the community. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think I went on a rant there or a ramble. No, but. <laughs> it's it's, all, it's good. Now, what advice would you give to someone who's, let's say, a college student or a high school student who's about to graduate and they're trying to choose go to college, not go to college? What advice would you give to that person who is in high school right now who's thinking about mm-hmm. graduating? and But they want to get into the same field as you. So what would you tell your younger self, I guess? That's a good question. Um, I'd say one of the biggest for me that has helped is like trying to get outside my comfort zone. We kind of touched on this. And even if that means getting in way over your head from time to time. Now, I mean, it can get exhausting 
you know, like I said earlier, if you're constantly in and over your head and I learned, you know, I've learned that the hard way by like recently I took on those two, these two music video projects back to back that were huge and that totally burned me out. So you can go over ambitious and burn yourself out. But if you take on something that's ambitious and just, just over, you know, your current skills and like at that sweet spot and you still conquer it, then those are the times you're really growing the most rapidly. So like knowing your limits, but also, you know, if something's like totally outside of your wheelhouse or you're taking on that something literally impossible because of the client deadline or some crazy like zero budget or whatever, then don't do that. That's no good. But if it's something in that sweet spot again, you know, that can really improve you. And then also just like collaborating with friends, you know, making friends in the industry and making stuff together. I think that's always going to produce really cool stuff. Sweet. Dude, I just looked at the time like, man, I'm, I'm taking you over. So I'm going to ask you no, a few more good. questions. Yeah. <laughs> now, cool. what's coming up for you? Are you speaking anywhere? Are you uh, traveling anywhere in the near future? I might be speaking at NAB this year. I'm not really sure. Like that's kind of like Matthias kind of keeps that under wraps until like a few months before. So I don't know. I'm going to be making hopefully a tutorial this week on a winter scene, like making some snowy trees and ice shaders and snow Sweet. shaders and things like that. I've got another full CG, like four minute music video. Well, not full CG, it's live action and, and CG, but it's a huge part CG that's coming out soon. They've been sitting on it for over a month, but that's a cool one. It's pretty different from my usual style. It's like a lot of these wooden cutouts and more of this vaudevillian themed stage, like stage lighting and all sorts of like cool cutouts and, and moving pieces Thing. It's a little hard to describe, but people have said that it kind of looks like stop motion or like something Leica would produce. I mean, obviously, I'm not to that nearly to that you know level, but it's like an indie version of that. So that was a really fun one that I worked on for about four months, and it really should have just taken two months because I was so burned out. <laughs> but um, so that's coming out hopefully soon. And other than that, I've been like I've been doing stuff to just like make money because like the wedding totally drained, you know, oh, the bank you. account. Yeah, yeah. And so I've been just taking on like pretty simple, like roto jobs. I've, I've been doing this job for ad agency in town with a bunch of X particle stuff. It's not too tricky, but um, yeah, so nothing too crazy right yet, but hopefully some more big projects in the future. Like I'm, I'm hoping to work with elastic soon. They hit me up a bunch of times when I was working on that full CG music video, but I had to turn them down a bunch, but yeah, we'll see. Awesome, dude. And last question, man. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, just go to my site, arevvisuals.com. That's A-R-I-E-V-V-I-S-U-A-L-S.com. And I've got a bunch of resources. I've got like this mega list of Octane tutorials uh, that I collected obsessively from all over the internet that I constantly update. All my tutorials are on there that I put on EJ's channel. Uh, Twitter, you know, David Ariev, Instagram, David Ariev, all the usual haunts. Sounds good. All right, David, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, man. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it on social media. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe to our Ucromedia podcast on iTunes. It will only take you a few minutes, but it will help a lot in ranking the show. And it will also help other creatives discover this podcast. So huge thank you in advance. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email me at vladimir at ucromedia.com. And definitely check out our courses and products at ucromedia.com slash shop. As always, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook at ucromedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,500 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Media Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>